0: good, boys and girls? Two for the podcast on Friday, the 5th of August, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, a virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from, while also keeping your data safe. So, for example, UK expats who want BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day... A Liberty Shield VPN can get you your access and keep your data safe. So go to LibertyShield.com right now, use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, to get either the hardware or software package. The hardware package is a router which you plug into your existing modem and gives you the option of connecting some devices to your normal modem and having your UK or Irish VPN or UK or Irish IP, or connecting to the VPN and getting an American IP, a Canadian IP, whatever it is you need, libertyshield.com, EPL25. The software package is an instant download to your device, so you can put it on a fire stick and bring it with you wherever you go. Again, libertyshield.com. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the code EPL10 or the code RED10 to get 10% off either site with all your football merchandising needs. Right, folks, we have a guest today. We're going to be joined by Mr. Eddie Gibbs. He's going to come on and talk through your options for watching Premier League football in the season ahead, because as we all know, right now it's not a good time for people, life is very, very expensive at the moment. And for those with children getting ready to go back to school, books, uniforms, etc., 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 it is becoming even more of a number crunching exercise just to make your budget work. So, Eddie's going to come on we're going to have a talk about some cheaper options to watch football rather than having to pay 70 quid to Sky and 30 quid to BT and whatever else. We'll go through it all with Eddie. Before we get there, let's run through the latest bits and pieces of news. Chelsea have confirmed the signing of Mark Cuccarella from Brighton and Hove Albion. £55 $7 Plus 7 million in add ons and the loan of Levi Colwell for 12 months. Now, there's no buy option on the Colwell deal. However, I believe if he goes there and plays well, he is going to force a move next summer. Similar to what Mark Wehi did after his loans with Swansea, similar to Fikayo Tomore when he lost his place in the team and wanted regular football. I think if Colwell does well, He'll force the move because Chelsea are looking to load up at centre-back this summer. Cucurella may well find himself playing quite a bit as the left-sided centre-back in a three. It's not ideal. He is foot far more of a full-back than a centre-back, especially at 5'9". But Tuchel might use him there. It is an overpay. There's no other way to look at this than this is a significant overpay. This is a very good footballer. I believe he's an upgrade on Ben Chilwell, but they overpaid for Chilwell when they paid 50 million for him, and they're overpaying again. Now, they did need a backup left wing back or left back, depending on whether they can play a four or a five. This is an obnoxious overpay. This is the type of thing a team does when they're running out of ideas. Again, he's a really good player. He is better than Chilwell. But Ben Chilwell wasn't somebody that you needed to upgrade on this summer. They're also been linked with the likes of Denzel Dumfries and Kyle Walker-Peters. And again, they do need a backup to Reese James, but you don't need to spend 30 to 35 million to get that player in. Now... I like the signings that Chelsea have made. I, I love Raheem Sterling. I think Koulibaly is still very good. And I really like Cucurella, But is this the best use of their funds, of their resources? Is it a good idea for Levi Colwell to be leaving the club on loan? I'm not sure it is. They're still been linked to Wesley Fofana. I think he's an enormous talent, though. £80 million would give me pause for thought. One thing you have to enjoy about this Cucurella deal. Wednesday night, the spoofer with the catchphrase announces it's all done. And he's still got it as his pinned tweet. Mark Cucurella to Chelsea. Here we go. Full agreement in place between Chelsea and Brighton for more than 50 million. Levi Colwell on the verge of joining Brighton soon. Personal terms agreed. No way for Man City. Cuccarello will be a Chelsea signing. Done. Now, he went on multiple other platforms and said the fee was $52.5 with no add-ons. He jumped the gun. Brighton came out and released a statement saying there is no full agreement for Mark Cuccarello. And then Romano doubled down as if he knew more of what was going on than Brighton did. As it turns out, the fee is $10 million more than he was going around saying and includes the loan of Levi Colwell. So he jumped the gun. He's now taking a victory lap, pretending he knew all all along what was going on. In the same way, he jumped the gun on the Jules Conde deal, and he jumps the guns on these deals all the time. This is one of his things. He lets other real journalists do the hard work, and then he swoops in by announcing that the deal is done before it is actually done, because he plays the percentages. If deals get to a certain point, more often than not, they will go through. And that's what he's done here. And he's made a bit of a show of himself, being quite honest. Anyway, let's move on. Other deals are happening. Nottingham Forest continue to be aggressive in the transfer market, continue to be Very, very ambitious. They're trying to sign Remo Freuler from Atalanta. Quality midfielder. Bags and bags of experience. Swiss international, obviously. 30 years of age. Has been at at, at Atalanta for six years now. Has 46 Swiss caps. Been a really important part Of everything that's gone on at Atlanta for the last uh, six seasons. And I'm surprised they're open to selling, but with his age, maybe that's just what the situation is. Good passer, strong in the tackle, good positionally, very hardworking, a quality player. If they can add him, having already added Mangala, added Lewis O'Brien, You've already got Ryan Yates, some other good options there. That's a really strong midfield group. David Ornstein is reporting that they've also made a bid of 25 million plus 10 million in add ons for Morgan Gibbs White. Now, Wolves have rejected the offer, but the deal is not dead. Gibbs White has told the club, or his representatives have told Wolves, he won't even discuss. A new contract. So if Wolves can find a replacement, this move may still happen. He's set to start this weekend for Wolves against Leeds, but he remains actively looking to leave by the sounds of things. If Forrest can land him, use him in rotation in central midfield and as the number 10, and then when Lingard leaves next summer, just have Gibbs White become the full-time number 10, that would be very, very exciting for Forrest. To have him behind Awani and Johnson as a long-term set with Ryan Yates and Mangala in midfield. Forrest are really setting themselves up, not just for this season, but for four to five years, to be a competitive, strong Premier League team, you have to admire it. You really do have to admire it. Uh, Jordan Veratois is leaving Roma to join Marseille. Ginny Wynaldum is joining Roma to replace him. Bournemouth are to sign Neto from Barcelona. Not a big fan, I have to say. Not a big fan. But they do need a backup goalkeeper. And my assumption is he comes in as the backup to Mark Travers. Uh, so, fair play. You're getting a position of need filled. This one's come out of nowhere. Everton set to sign Amadou Onana from Lille. West Ham agreed a fee. But apparently the player wasn't keen on the move, wanted the move to Everton, and Everton have matched the offer from West Ham. And for around £33.5 including add-ons, they're going to get their man. Now, I think he's making a big mistake. I think he'd be much better off going to West Ham. But... Perhaps he's looked at West Ham and thought, they've got Rice, they've got Suchek, I'm not going to be an every-game starter. At Everton, he's got the opportunity to start every game. He is an enormous talent. Uh, It disappoints me as a Liverpool fan that he's going to Everton because he's one I would like at Liverpool at some point in the future. This now limits that possibility, uh, though he could do an in-between move, but the price would get beyond where Liverpool would ever pay. Pep Guardiola says he wants Bernardo Silva to stay. Bernardo seems keen on a move away, uh, which, you know, I'm a bit surprised by. Anywhere he goes is basically a step down at this point, because not, not in terms of the size of the club, but in terms of the quality of the team he plays in. Other than joining Liverpool or maybe Bayern, everywhere else is a step down. What else do we have? What else do we have? Nothing there, so we can move on. Uh, Let's see. This is an interesting one. Martin Tyler has been forced to apologise for comments made where he linked Hillsborough to hooliganism. Uh, On some interview he was doing for BBC Radio 4, he made the statement that football in the 80s was suffering because of Hillsborough and other hooligan issues. Uh, He very clearly linked the two. He has come out in the face of mass criticism and said uh, they are separate issues. There is no connection at all. I know that, and I was not implying that there is. He basically said that people were too stupid to know what he was actually talking about. That's what he said in his in his apology. Uh, it's one of the weakest apologies I've ever seen. It's quite shameful, really. He didn't imply that there was a link between Hillsborough and hooliganism. He explicitly linked the two. And he knew exactly what he was doing as well. Uh, Martin Tyler is a disgrace. Klopp likens fixture congestion to climate change. I wish he'd stop. I do. Uh, Fulham signed Brighton defender Shane Duffy on loan. So Brighton, who are already a little bit short at centre-back, letting Duffy go. They do get Colwell in, so it's one in, one out. They get a better one in than the one going out. But they still have a need for at least one more centre-back in the door before the season begins. Oh, this is not good news. Ricardo Pereira ruled out for six months with a ruptured Achilles tendon. Massive blow for Leicester on the eve of a new season. Leicester obviously had significant injury problems last summer, uh, last season rather, including Ricardo Pereira, uh, who's had injury issues the last two seasons. I did say a few months back he's one I'd look to sell this summer. Uh, unfortunately, now he's not going to be going anywhere. Uh, what else do we got? Brian Embuomo of Brentford has declared to play for Cameroon rather than his nation of birth. His father was born in Cameroon, so he is eligible to play. That is great news. Great news. Big guess for Cameroon. Uh, he's a quality player. Could do with working on his finishing. Uh, but a quality player and a good addition to the Cameroon national team. So fair play there. What else do we have? There's not a whole lot else going on. Obviously, we've got a big game tonight. Arsenal at Crystal Palace. I'm excited. I am. I'm really excited for this season. I think we've got more good teams now than we've had in the past. You even look at the quote-unquote bad teams in the division and let's be fair. They all have good players. There's nobody that doesn't have quality players. And that's only a good thing for the league. When the bad teams are strong. That means the good teams are even stronger. And that can only lead to a better quality of football, a better product, more enjoyable, watching for all of us. Uh, So I'm excited for this season. I think as we go into it, Arsenal have a lot to prove. I think there's an awful lot of pressure, or there should be an awful lot of pressure, internally and externally, on the manager. Uh, The Gunners, no Smith-Rowe, no Vieira's a doubt. Tierney's a doubt and Tommy Asser's a doubt. Palace, no Butland, no MacArthur, no Elise, no Johnston, no Tompkins. So both sides missing players. Elise obviously is a big loss for Palace, but he's missed all the preseason. Sam Johnston, they probably would have liked to have had ready to go, but. Gaeta's been the number one there for years. He won't be in any way worried about this, about this game tonight. I fancy this to be a cracker. Arsenal obviously played on the first day of last season as well, a Friday night game as well, uh, away to Brentford, looked awful, and that started a big clamour for Arteta to go. He did turn things round, uh, had a lot of favourable things go in his, favor, uh, in his way last season. Uh, we'll see what happens this season. But I think if he doesn't make top four this year, major questions need to be asked. Now, I don't fancy them to get top four, personally. I think Chelsea have improved more than them. I think Spurs have improved more than them. I think West Ham have improved more than them. And Spurs and Chelsea were better to begin with. So we'll see what happens. It should be a really good game. It should be a really good season. I can't wait. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have Eddie Gibbs and we'll talk about your options for watching Premier League football this season. See you in a sec. Right, we are joined now by Mr. Eddie Gibbs. How are you, sir? Yeah, very well. Excited for
1: the new season. Uh It's a uh... We can't all put in the sterling effort that you have uh, this summer to produce all these shows that you've managed to do, even though you're a Premier League pod and there's been no Premier League football for about two months now. But you still managed to uh, to keep the content coming. So well done to you for that. But now I'm I'm excited. I'm right back into it. I'll be watching the, uh, the, map, the Arsenal match tonight, which uh, generally I probably wouldn't ordinarily. But because it's the first game of the season, I'm going to give it a go. And then excited to see uh, Liverpool and all the other
0: games that come tomorrow and into Sunday. Yeah, I I think there's definitely a big feeling of excitement towards this season, which I'm not sure was really there last season and certainly wasn't there the season before because when the pandemic hit in the middle of the 1920 season, it kind of threw everything weird. 2021 was a bizarre season with no fans in the stands. And I think going into last season... There was still a lot of apprehension that we might have further lockdowns and that we might have to go back to games being played with no fans or a complete stoppage of football again. But now this far removed, it does feel like things have gotten back to normal a lot more in terms of, you know, how people view the game, how people go to the game, etc. So as with last season, Arsenal are up first on a Friday night away to a fellow London club, and they will be hoping that it goes a little bit better than it did last season. Uh, But the main reason I want to have you on today, Eddie, was to talk about the options that people have to watch the football this season, because we're obviously in a cost of living crisis right now in multiple countries, and it's very, very expensive to try and watch games the old-fashioned way to pay for Sky Sports every month, et cetera, et cetera. So you work in this field. You know this stuff better than anybody. So, Let's start with the UK. What are people's options right now in the UK in terms of getting access to the Premier League? Well, the first word that springs to
1: mind is expensive. (laughs) You mentioned the cost of living crisis there, and uh, I think it's TV companies that could be hit by this in a big way. And later in the show, we can cover... The some people are getting around that cost of living crisis by uh, by fair means or by foul, uh, we'll touch on those things. But in the UK not much has changed uh you still have three companies holding rights to premier league games There's sky who will show 128 live matches uh they have the saturday evening slot and the super sunday slot where they normally do uh back to back games you have bt sport who will show 52 matches they have that saturday lunchtime slot that they've had uh, for the last couple of seasons and then you have amazon prime now amazon are stuck to buying two rounds of games that they simulcast uh so they show 20 games but they show them uh over just a couple of nights, I think they are this year, the 18th to the 20th of October, and then they have the Boxing Day fixtures on the 26th of December, which will obviously come after the World Cup this this year. So uh, they're, the, they're the options that you have. Uh, their prices vary. Sky Sports is a contract add-on. I think the cheapest way of getting Sky Sports on contract is about £40 per month in addition to what you pay for your Sky package. Uh, And that's on an 18-month contract. Or you have Now, which used to be known as Now TV, a very strange name change. You can buy a day pass, which can work out quite expensive, at £11 for a day. Or you can pay them £25 per month and stream on three devices at once in HD. So that's Sky. BT. 29.99 29.99 per month on contract, and that's if you have a Sky or a BT broadband package. Or you can do it contractless uh, for 25 pound a month and put it on all your streaming devices. Obviously, BT also have the Champions League and the UEFA tournaments as a as a bonus there. And Amazon Prime. Their uh, prices are going up actually on the fifteenth of september seven ninety nine a month just now or seventy nine per year but from the fifteenth of september eight pounds ninety nine per month or ninety five per year and if you do buy now, then you get that lower price so that that kind of sums up the live way to watch in the in the u k and obviously quite expensive uh, all around there. We'll just touch on Ireland where you're on the u k as well and obviously Ireland don't have the archaic 3pm blackout rule we, uh, we were speaking off air before, and you informed me that that, that was bend off a couple of years ago. So, Sky Sports Ireland has an option uh, for 3pm for kickoffs as well.
0: Yeah, it does. Um, because Sky Ireland separated from B Sky B, uh, probably for tax reasons more than anything, they were able to remove the blackout. Um, now, they don't always take advantage of the fact that they don't have the blackout, but it is an option for them. When we look at those prices, as you said, you can add Sky Sports to your existing Sky contract. Now, I should know, having been a former employee of Sky, but um, you're probably looking at—I think it's about thirty pounds for the very basic package with Sky. So the forty pounds on top of that for the this, this Sky Sports brings you to seventy a month, and if you were to add uh, BT. On top of that, you're talking about a hundred quid a month. Yeah, I think t- I worked
1: out. I think I worked out roughly for the three of them across the board, just for those on top of your additional package prices. You're looking at about a thousand pound a year for that. Yeah, yeah for, uh, for the football. And of course, uh, the downside of that is with the blackouts and with the uh, with the fact that they only pick certain
0: games. You're not even getting every match for that.
1: You know what I mean? So it's like yeah, that, pick-
0: that's that's the big thing here, Ed. You're only getting. Well, you're getting 128 games with Sky, 52 games at BT. As you said, you do get the Champions League and the Europa League. So it is a little extra bonus. But if you support Brighton and Hove Albion or Wolverhampton Wanderers, you don't necessarily care about those competitions. Um, And then the same thing with Amazon. I mean, you could pay an annual Amazon subscription and they've only got two match weeks. So... You know there's such a limit on what people are actually getting for their for their money for a thousand pounds, which is a significant amount of money, especially right now when everybody's going through such tough times that is quite frankly outrageous now the alternative of course, is to go with the now t v and b t streaming services, which is basically fifty pound a month for those two. Across a nine-month season, it's £450. And then if you just did Amazon Prime for the two months they have the games, that's another, let's just say it's 20 quid, it's, it's 18 quid. So you're, you're talking about 470 quid. That's still a lot of money to a lot of people. And as I said, if you're, let's remember, not everybody is uh, a football fan. Some people are just a fan of their club. Yeah. And they only care about their club and they only want to watch their club. So, so it, if puts you're a, a, it puts the price point per game up
1: massively for just watching your team, doesn't it?
0: Exactly. Because realistically, like how many times are, are Wolves going to be on TV this season? Maybe 10, maybe 15. So if you're paying a thousand quid, you know, you're talking about almost a 100 quid per game of your team. If you're doing it with the streaming options, you're still talking about 30 quid per game or 35 quid per game for your team. I mean, you might as well just go to the game if you can get a ticket. <laughs> well, not Fulham. Not to Fulham. <laughs> not to Fulham. Sky and BT are a bargain compared to having <laughs> to go and watch Fulham. Which is elaborate. no. I heard,
1: I heard you speaking about that the other day, and I was actually really curious when playing with these numbers, how close we were going to get to our price point per game compared to that price that they're charging their fans. So I thought that was quite a funny one that uh, you were speaking about what Fulham were charging fans the
0: other day. A hundred quid to watch Fulham, like and remember. It's, a, it's it's their category A games, and it's you know a large chunk of the stadium, and the funniest part of it is. Their category A games include Manchester United coming to town, which is going to be an awful game of football. It's two terrible, terrible teams, and they want to charge people a hundred quid for the the joy of going to watch. But <laughs> before we get too far <laughs> off topic, um, it, it does just seem though way like we've often talked about how the normal football fan is priced out of going to the match to watch their team. We're losing that connective tissue between local fans and generations of fans, families, multiple generations of families who go to the game and bring their son, and then the son brings his son, and so on and so forth. And those people, the fabric of the game, they're being priced out of going to the match. Now, normal football fans have been priced out of just watching. The match on tv from the comfort of their own home unless they have alternative options now this is only really in the uk that this is so outrageously bad you've also put together some information regarding what the prices are in other countries so can you just run me through uh in america canada australia what type of prices are people paying in comparison to what the UK TV broadcasters are charging? Okay,
1: sure. So we've got. I've, I've tried to focus here on on the most prominent Premier League markets. Obviously, that if you go on the Premier League website, you can see who holds the rights in all sorts of countries. I guess the prices will be comparable. Uh, when I come onto Australia or in New Zealand, obviously the prices are far cheaper because the uh, the games are shown at uh, a ridiculous time in the morning in those countries. Uh, no, no ungodly person would be willing to watch football, That I guess. So the prices are cheaper as a result. But let's look at the USA to start with. So USA, the rights are held by NBC Sports and USA Network, uh, they, they will show the biggest matches. So they will show almost those category A games, your Arsenal v Chelsea, your Liverpool v Man United, your, your Spurs v Arsenal. These uh, games with Man City. They'll show the real A games. Now, uh, those games are available to U.S. cable subscribers that have packages such as DirecTV. There's no, strictly speaking, no way to go and buy a package, uh, a a cordless package for NBC Sports. Uh, But I'll cover a a way that you can do that in a moment. So you would have to have that U.S. cable subscription. Then what they added, they used to have a package called NBC Gold, which is now Obsolete. And that's for every other Premier League match. Now they rebranded that last year as Peacock. Now, Peacock will show every other Premier League game, so in a weekend. So anything that's not on NBC or USA network will be shown on Peacock. So the price to do this, Peacock costs four dollars ninety nine, which is what about three pounds a month? Uh or you can have it without without ads for uh, ten dollars a month, so about seven pounds. Uh so there's a, there's a difference right away. The only thing you do need to buy these services, Peacock is a USA-registered payment card or a US-registered PayPal. And I'll speak more about that in the next section. Now, I mentioned that you can't get NBC Sports or you can't sign up to NBC Sports unless you have a a US cable subscription. There is now two ways to do that. You've got Sling TV. That includes all of NBC and USA Network content, so all the big matches. It's a little dearer, though. but You get month one for $17.50, which is about, what, 12, 13 pounds. And then that's followed by a subscription of uh, it's not a subscription. It can be canceled any time, That's just month to month. No contract. Thirty five dollars per month. So what about twenty six, twenty seven quid. And again, you need a U.S. registered card or PayPal service. The other option, more expensive, again, is Fubo TV in the USA. Again, includes all of the NBC and USA Network content plus loads of other sports channels. Literally, it is a sports person's dream that channel. That's sixty nine ninety nine dollars per month, so about fifty ish pounds per month. Again, USA registered payment card or PayPal required. Do you want to ask, speak anything
0: about the USA, or do you want me to move on to uh, some of the other countries? No, move on and then we'll come back and we can talk. You mentioned with the the US registered payment cards and PayPal. So there might be some workarounds there. But okay, sure. What about Canada? Canada's
1: all change Uh, up until this season. Canada rights were owned by DAZN or DASM, however you wish to pronounce it. Uh, Again, that was very difficult to get because you needed a Canadian payment card service. And it's not something I ever really tried, but because it was quite expensive as well. But not not by comparison to the UK but by comparison to the US packages but Canada's all changed they've got their own version of fubo tv that shows every premier league game and all of the sierra Air content as well and the matches are both live and on demand and it is a paltry 24.99 Canadian dollars uh per month or if you pay yearly you can get it for $14 14 well 14.99 Canadian dollars per month and that is absolutely everything so no, you don't need an NBC and a Peacock. It is just one subscription, one package. I've not tested this yet uh, with a, with a uh, on oh, whether you need a Canadian payment card, but that is my objective this evening. I'm going to be testing this new Canadian Fubo TV service because that is the cheapest place anywhere I can find to watch every Premier League match live and on demand.
0: For Just for people wondering about that cost, Uh, If you go yearly and it works out at uh, $14.99 per month, that is £9.59 sterling. Um, (laughs) If you go with just the normal monthly one, if you don't want to pay for the whole year and it's $25 basically, it's uh, £16 sterling per month for all of your Premier League and Serie A games. And like Eddie said, live and on demand. Yeah, I think that I, I've never seen value quite
1: like that before for the Premier League. So that's one I'm going to go and uh, interrogate uh, th- th- this evening. That's definitely on the list of uh, of things to test. I might actually get that and watch the uh, Arsenal match on that one tonight. That might be my, uh, my test for this evening. So uh, just to finish on Australia and New Zealand. Uh, Australia is still up the sport again every Premier League match. And uh if you've got your currency converter handy, you'll be able to tell me how this stacks up against a Canadian one, but it's fourteen ninety nine Australian dollars per month, and again, I don't know whether an Australian payment
0: card is required or not. It actually works out around the same kind of cost if it's fifteen Australian dollars per month, it's eight pounds sixty. Wow. Um, so very very similar, except you won't get the CRR content, and I doubt
1: they have the on-demand. But it's a uh, it's very similar by comparison. And New Zealand, uh, again, this will be in New Zealand uh, New Zealand currency. They have their, their chat their service is Sky Sport rather than Sky Sports. I'm sure it will be a Murdoch-owned thing as well. But it's a uh, it's a bit more expensive. It's 39.99 New Zealand dollars per month or 19.99 New Zealand dollars per week. Again, I don't know whether a New Zealand payment card is required or not for that one
0: uh and it's basically two new zealand dollars to one pound sterling so okay 40 new zealand dollars is about just over just over 20 quid uh but 1999 per week is actually a little bit outrageous to be fair well
1: they don't um, want
0: anyone they don't want anyone to buy that do they that's the whole point. no that's exactly they, it.
1: they literally want them to buy by that price point they're basically saying you could, it's like it's like now TV with their eleven ninety nine for a day pass or twenty five ninety nine per month. They don't want people to realistically buy these;
0: they just throw away prices. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They're trying to force people into the monthly commitment, which makes more sense for them in the long term. Right. So, as we can see, the cost of watching Premier League football in other countries is largely. Cheaper than watching Premier League football in the UK. Those Canadian prices and Australian prices are very, very good. The New Zealand price is not bad at 20 quid a month. That's not bad at all. And the FUBU TV package in America, even though it does work out at, what, about £57 pounds or so per month, like you said, you're getting everything. You get access to a ton of different sports channels, as well as all the premier League games, and it is cheaper than having sky and b t on your t v in the u k so that works out cheaper, so does sling t v so does the um the m b c package with the, the peacock t v package as it is so it is cheaper to watch the Premier League and you get more bang for your book because you get all the games. In these other countries. Now, when I I found when I lived in Australia, watching the games was a bit weird because you'd be watching them at such strange times. But it was great how much access you had to games. And then when I was in Canada, I could watch every game I wanted. Every single game was on. Now, I'm one of the few people I think that actually really enjoyed being able to watch every game live on TV <laughs> during the pandemic. But I think it's good for people to have the option to do that. Like, here's my argument during when people were saying, oh, it's too much football. No one's making you watch it all. (laughs) No one is making you sit there for 20 hours per weekend, ignore your wife and kids or your husband and kids or your parents or whoever and watch it all. If you choose to watch it all, you can't claim it's too much football because you've made a decision to do that. But by not having that decision, it's also something people complain about. And I think they're right to complain about it because when you see America, Canada, New Zealand, Australia and other countries having access to every single game and you're being limited to 20 games on Prime, uh, 52 games on BT, And 128 games on Sky, which gives us a total of 200 games, which is clearly not anywhere close to how many games are played across the course of a season. Uh, It is a little bit much that you're also having to pay so much more money to watch so much less football. So yeah, and I, I, th-
1: I think when you speak to when you speak to fans in other countries as we do in our various communities and social media groups, and that they're all dumbfounded. They they, they cannot fathom yeah. one that we have a three pm blackout rule, and two that we can't watch like you can't watch your own team. You can't watch your own team play every match on TV, and as part of the monopoly, you can very is very very difficult to buy tickets to get into the grounds at these games. So because of the demand so you've got none of many of the clubs don't have big enough stadiums to, to cope with the demand so one you can't buy a ticket to go and see your team mm. two you can't watch the game on tv certainly and if it's an away game it's even harder to get into the ground so that, that really there is no option and that's why people turn to the slightly grayer options or the, or the dark web options and that that is it because people want to watch their team they 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 basically advertise in a way and they use the media in a way to drum up all this addiction to this product, this Premier League product, through the adverts on Sky, through the podcasts, through the social media channels. They drum up all this interest and then they say, but you can only really have the diluted version that we're willing to serve up. Exactly.
0: So just to use an example, this weekend, we have 10 Premier League games. How many of them are available on TV in the UK? Well, we've got tonight,
1: 8pm, Crystal Palace versus Arsenal on Sky Sports. Uh, Then tomorrow is 12.30 kickoff, Fulham against Liverpool. That's a BT Sport lunchtime one. Then the 3pm blackout comes in. So there's no UK option for the fans of Newcastle United to watch them play Nottingham Forest. There's the fans of Tottenham Hotspur and Southampton can't watch them play against each other. The fans of Leeds and Wolves can't watch them play each other. And the fans of Bournemouth and Aston Villa have got nothing either. Then Saturday, 30 pm we have Everton against Chelsea. So we're on Sky Sports for that one. And then we're on to Sunday, the Super Sunday Sky Double header. There's 2pm Man United against Brighton. So that one's on, followed by the 4.30 West Ham versus Man City. So that one's on. And for some reason, I guess it'll be a fixture congestion thing. At some Maybe Europa League or something. Leicester against
0: Brentford, there's no UK viewing option for that one either. So half,
1: I think we're about
0: half half of the fixtures. Yeah, Five games this weekend, not on UK TV. 180 games across the course of the season that will not be shown anywhere. So you're paying all of this money to get 200 of 380 games. Just over half the games are going to be broadcast in England. It, that is an absolute outrage. And this five or this 3pm blackout is an absolute nonsense. And how it's still in place, I have no idea. The only thing it I makes... would add to that,
1: Dave, is I have no issue with it. I'm coming across as I, I'm, I'm totally nacy about the 3pm blackout. I've got no issues at all with the 3pm blackout. If the 3pm blackout is 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 actually helping attendances at non-league, at lower league clubs, at uh, domestic football in Ireland, at domestic football in Scotland and Wales... No problem whatsoever. Don't play, League, don't play Premier League games at 3pm. Why do just, they play Premier League games at 3pm? Forget 3pm. For,
0: just don't put the games on. Just put more of them on in the evening. Put more of them on early. Yeah. Use a, team, a Like you were talking about lockdown.
1: In lockdown, they use two Saturday evening slots. Yeah. So why, just do that again. Forget Do 5.30 5 and 7.30 absolutely
0: know, and then on a, a sunday traditional- do 12 do 2 yeah, do yeah. 4 do 6 and do 8
1: yeah the traditionalists of uh will, will hate that but if three if the 3pm blackout rule has to remain just don't play premier league games at 3pm on saturday yeah. and I mean, certainly don't play
0: four of them like if there has to be one that's fine and rotate through so each team gets an equal amount of 3 p.m. Saturday blackouts, Like it would be two per team basically across the course of the season. It's not hard. Um, yeah. Uh, look, what are people's options, Eddie? Because, like we said, it, it, this is a very, very dark time. We've got record numbers of food banks opening in the UK and in Ireland. We've got heat banks coming up where... You know, you'll be able to go and get help with your fuel. We've got, uh, you can't, people can't afford to put fuel in their cars. People can't afford to heat their homes. They can't afford to feed their kids. Back to school is coming up. So you've got uniforms and books and all of that. People are struggling right now. People are very much on the edge of breaking point financially. So, what are the options? Because people will still want to be able to have a break from their day to day and they'll want to be able to watch they'll want to be able to watch their team play and in all likelihood they'll want to watch their team play more than the six or seven times that Brentford are going to be on tv this year so what are people's options
1: yeah the point you make there's a good one and we're not Europe still in summertime just now so we're we're not even at the we're not even at the start really of this cost of living crisis once the uh the fuel caps in the uk for example come in in october which is coincidentally when the season the football season usually kind of kicks into overdrive when the darker nights come in and you kind of got a game on every twice a week your team will often play so you are going to want that you know i mean you haven't got as many outdoor pursuits in the winter and things like that (laughs) as you know in ireland and i know here in scotland we get some cold dark winters so football is a kind of our saving grace and uh, as i said in the last segment there that people are addicted to this product it is it, their football team it is borderline religion <laughs> so people are going to want to watch their football team it is something that that, that they, they're just going to want to do and they're going to find ways by hook or by crook to do that so options uh now the most common option that we see today is all of those services that we've mentioned in those countries they're obviously all governed by ip address so uh if you have uh canadian ip address you'll have access to the 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 new uh fubo tv service if you have an american ip address and you'll have access to uh, peacock and uh, nbc and sling tv and services etc etc so a VPN in those countries will change your ip address so that is the most obvious way to do it and then you will effectively be to all intents and purposes surfing the internet as if you were in that country so that is the most common way that we see uh, we see this happen and once you have changed your ip address and all of the devices that you own whether it be your pc your mac your fire tv stick your apple tv box a smart tv your iphones your androids your tablets they will all acquire an ip address for that country and of course then you have access to those services uh, some VPN companies uh, offer VPN routers as well, which is the hardware solution that you mentioned at the top of the show every day. That's just a box that plugs into your existing home internet. It creates a new network in your home. That network can be in whatever country you wish. So my example is I have, I'm have, i in Scotland. I have Virgin Media. I have a Virgin Media Wi-Fi that transmits a UK IP address. So all my devices get a UK IP address. I then have a VPN router from Liberty Shield plugged into that which transmits a USA IP address. So any devices I can connect to that VPN router are, to all intents and purposes, in the USA.
0: We don't need to talk about other VPN providers, Eddie. There is only one <laughs> VPN no, no, we provider, do, we provider we do, that is though, acceptable Dave, on this podcast. <laughs> no, no, we do, though, because Liberty
1: Shield don't offer Australian or New Zealand IP addresses. <laughs>
0: Uh, People can just be shit out of luck You can get a Canadian IP address And that's all you need You're fine Um, Right, so One option that a lot of people have Gone to the root of is IPTV IPTV, Eddie So Let's talk about IPTV Give people a brief rundown of what an IPTV Service is And you the kind of pros and cons of having one of these services?
1: Sure. So if you you look up the term IPTV on Wikipedia, IPTV is Internet Protocol Television. So it's effectively any form of internet stream is IPTV. Everything we've just discussed is a form of IPTV. However, it's not that type of IPTV that's the, the type of IPTV that people talk about when they say, at home, I have IPTV. The IPTV that people talk about is a hybrid form of what used to be known as Kodi. It's illegal streaming, basically. It's peer to peer, a peer to peer form of illegal streaming where people are effectively selling packages and rebroadcasting these channels on an app. Uh, and those apps, they would traditionally charge 40 to 60 pounds a year, perhaps very, very cheap. And they will give you every global official broadcast of every single Premier League game in multiple channels across. Uh, across your devices on an HD platform so that's what IPTV is and that's why people are turning to it's effectively a pirate form of TV but for all the reasons you just said in your last bit there of course the living crisis the fact that people can't watch their team every week that this is they're effectively encouraging piracy as a result of these methods that they put in place and I mean we've seen it with Netflix increasing their prices as well people will be cancelling their Netflix and they'll be using illegal IPTV services to get their on demand series and movies as well so there is a there is a massive shift to pirate tv as a result of the cost of these things and the quality of these pi- the, the quality of these IPTV services whilst it will never be the same as the official broadcast for instance we t- we spoke about NBC if you go and watch A match on NBC, one of those Saturday 3pm kickoffs, and you go and watch that on Peacock. The quality will be absolutely a one because they're broadcasting from servers designed for streaming. So let's just say your internet lagged a bit. They would they use something called VBR, which is variable bit rate. So what would happen there is your stream quality would just drop, perhaps not even to a significant level that your eye would see. With an illegal IPTV service, they're obviously just using peer to peer servers. They're not at that standard, so if If they had problems with their servers or there was problems at your end the stream would just stop so there would be nothing at all during that game so that's the real difference illegal operators are not running at the same standard and the same quality as the official broadcasters and what the worst thing about watching live football would be is if suddenly you're watching it and then you're not watching it
0: (laughs) yeah exactly and you don't have that um like that comeback either like if you're Sky goes down, or your whatever service goes down, there's a phone number you can ring, or there's an email address you can fire off a complaint to with your IPTV or your illegal IPTV. You don't get that. So, while it is cost effective, it is also, you know, it's a cheaper product for a cheaper price. Um, It is still obviously a, a product that can be very good and can save people a lot of money. Um, but it can also. Football isn't always available on an IPTV, am I right in thinking? Uh, no,
1: it would all. On an illegal IPTV, generally it would be unless you live in a country like UK and Ireland that have uh, court uh, court orders preventing the streaming. So what happened was a few years ago, it started in Ireland and then it spread to the UK. The major ISPs, the Premier League basically put a court, got a court order that the major ISPs like Virgin, BT, Sky are legally required to block illegal IP and TV streams during Premier League matches. So let's just say your whole household depended on an IP TV service and a legal one. If during the Premier League, that block kicks in and Virgin or Sky or BT or whoever your provider is are required to block that. Like your whole TV goes down, not just the football. You lose your your BBC, your RTE, your MTV. You lose anything you might be watching for that period that the football's down because that block kicks in. Now, the first season that these blocks were in place was very effective. They 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 seemed to really cull the use of IPTV. Mm-hmm. Last season, not so much. Uh, the block, the Premier League's blocks and court orders seem to be pretty ineffective. I think that the IPTV guys savvied up and they changed the IP addresses for their host servers a lot more. They moved things around to different data centers and we don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it'll be interesting over the next few weeks to see how, how well the blocks do this year. But I would say season one, the Premier League won. Season two, the ISP, the IPTV guys won. So let's see what happens in season three. But of course, we mentioned VPN services. If you do happen to use one of these VPNs, whether it be a a, a, a software-based VPN or a or a router, your your connection is encrypted. And what yeah. by being encrypted, what that means is your ISP, whether it be Virgin, Sky, BT, they cannot see what you are doing because you're hidden. You're hidden behind an encrypted VPN. And what they can't see, they can't block. So they perfectly legally can say to uh, they get to say to the Premier League, well, we can't block these because we don't know what they're doing. So that's what a VPN does. It gives you that element of privacy that uh, that means that you can't be blocked from watching an illegal service like an IPTV service.
0: So one of the options people could do is they could buy themselves uh, an Amazon Fire Stick. They could get a, a VPN on it and then they could get a an illegal IPTV service, and that would be a fairly cost-effective route for people to have access to all of the games and all the other TV that comes with uh, that IPTV service. You could be looking at £60 a year for that, the cost of the VPN service for the year, and I think a Fire Stick is about 50 or 60 quid as well. So, you know, for, for less than €200 Euro or £200, you could be well set up for the course of the year for all your tv yeah absolutely that's not something obviously on this channel
1: that we would condone but it's of course uh, it's it's something that we we absolutely know goes on and will go on this year and will continue to grow especially as this, uh, this cost of living
0: crisis kicks in yeah no we wouldn't condone it because obviously it is illegal and we don't want people taking part in any sort of illegal uh behaviors now the other option then is to look at one of the American services or, as you will check for us, the Canadian service and see what works there. Um, what about if I don't have a U.S. registered PayPal or a U.S. payment card? What can I do?
1: It's kind of funny. I was talking to uh, Phil Bartz, who does some work on the Anfield Index uh, last week, and he and I signed up for Peacock about the time that they launched it. And then we just used our UK PayPal accounts and we were able to sign up for it, no problem. Now, there was a period last week, and we as Liverpool fans, Liverpool were on about five times in a row where the game wasn't shown in the UK and it was only on Peacock. And there became a massive interest in Peacock. And I know Gags and a few others tried to go and sign up to it. And they couldn't. And the reason being was, uh, that obviously, some sort of law or legislation came in that you had to have a US registered card or a us paypal account so no one was able to buy it uh, at that point a service uh became aware of a service that a lot of people use and it's called uh, usunlocked.com now what us unlocked is it's a virtual service where effectively you can use your uk debit card credit card paypal account bank account and you can top up a virtual usa credit card so they'll give you a card number they'll give you an expiry address they'll give you a physical address for that card in the USA. And you can use that to sign up to all sorts of USA services, whether it be Peacock, Fubo TV, Sling TV, Hulu, any of the US TV services, you can effectively use that card on. So that's the one I'm aware of. I'm sure there'll be others. I'm sure there'll be ones in other countries. Uh, I may have to go and look for a Canadian one myself later. But that's the uh, that's the service that I'm aware of that a few people use, and I've used myself for uh, not not for any TV services as such, but I have used it for
0: uh, a few things in the USA that I've bought. Right. So that website is uh, usunlock.com, and I'm just looking at it now. And like Eddie says, it basically is a, a virtual card. So there's no physical card. They give you card number, expiry date, and your um, the number off the back. You top it up using your UK card. It's like a little sort of online wallet that comes with a card number and can be used in a whole bunch of American uh, sites and services. So, yeah, Netflix, Hulu, HBO, Target, Nike, Spotify, Disney Plus. So if you you know want access to any of these, for example, if you wanted you know to get Hulu, uh, it can be an option for you there as well as obviously Peacock, which is more prevalent to us. Um, quickly looking online, I can see that. There are a couple of options for Canada. One is uh, Koho, K-O-H-O. It's a prepaid MasterCard. And it is a virtual service as well. So if it was a case that um, the FUBU TV in Canada required a Canadian card, this might be your option there. There's a couple of others. Um, there's a premium prepaid MasterCard as well from that company There's also Stack Wealth Simple It's like a, a virtual cash card uh, Wise Virtual Card is another one And RBC Virtual Visa Debit And due to their digital nature These things will be set up within seconds and They'll be fully automated You're not having to wait for anything physical to be posted mm. to you Or anything, anything like that Exactly. So you can get this instantaneously. So um, you're checking h- how this Fubo TV works later, Ed. If you can let me know, and I can let you yeah, know. Yeah, that's Monday. definitely
1: on the. That's definitely on the list for tonight. I'm, I hadn't until I was doing research for the show. I hadn't even been aware that the Canadian rights had switched to Fubo TV from DAZN. So uh, it's uh, it's definitely an exercise that I'll be undertaking.
0: So. As of right now, what, what is your setup? What are you using right now to have access to all the games this season? Uh,
1: okay, so the main thing that I have is, uh, is obviously I have a Liberty Shield VPN router, which I mentioned earlier, that's set to USA. So I have two networks in where I am, one for the UK, one for the USA, both on VPN routers uh, set to those countries. I have the Peacock ad-free package, which uh, costs me around ten US dollars per month. And I have the apps for Peacock installed on an Apple TV and the Fire Stick in my home. So two TVs, with a, one with an Apple TV, one with a Fire TV, running the Peacock app. And I also have the Peacock app on my iPhone as well for whenever I'm away from home. And I can obviously enable the VPN through an app as well on that uh, on that phone that when, when I'm out. So I can switch my phone to a, to a USAP address. The other thing I have, which is a bit less prevalent, uh, I don't have. The US Fubo TV or the Sling I have had in the past, but I don't have any of them currently. Uh, I mentioned that the the USA Network and NBC games are uh, part of a cable subscription. I'm fortunate enough that I do have a, a friend in the USA who's kind enough to share with me their login details. They have no interest in football, but they do have the NBC Sports access, so they kindly gave me their username and password. So I also have the NBC Sports app on an Apple on the Apple TV and the Fire TV and my iPhone from when I'm away from home. So so same principle. Uh if the game's on NBC Sports or USA Network, I'll watch it on the NBC Sports app. If the game's not on there and it's on the Peacock app, I just load the Peacock app. So unlike the Canadian example that we gave where it's going to be one FUBO TV app and you can watch everything, I alternate between two apps, uh, one of which is given to me by a friend and the other one I pay for. So that's the uh, that's the two ways I pay ten ten US dollars a month effectively. And that means that I get to watch every Premier League game around the whole year. I don't miss anything because of 3pm blackout rules or because Sky or BT uh, are unable to show certain games. So that that's my setup right now.
0: Right, well, we will have more on this once you've checked out FUBU TV. We'll see if it needs a Canadian virtual card. If it does, we'll see if we can find a solution for that. And, you know, like we said, we'll try and find legal ways. You might have to do a little bit of skullduggery with a vpn but legal ways for you to watch all of the games across the season because let's be open and honest about this not many people right now are in a position to afford to pay 70 plus pounds a month to sky 30 quid a month to bt uh, another nine quid to amazon like it's an awful lot of money to ask people to pay across what is An extremely long season of football. A £1,000 is just too much right now with how things are going. And we would like to be able to help you find ways to watch the games at a more affordable and and less painful price point. Eddie, thank you so much. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy your weekend. Don't do anything too silly. And um, I'll speak to you soon. Cool, dude. Thank you for having me. Right. Now, before we get finished, we're going to do the gossip and that'll do us for the week. Uh, Chelsea have opened talks with Frankie de Young, who has been heavily linked to a move to Manchester United. If he ends up at Chelsea and most reports suggest he would prefer to go to Chelsea, it will speak really badly of United, who have traipsed around after him for months on end now. Uh, Chelsea are willing to offer Wesley Fofana 200000 a week. Um, If that's true, Chelsea fans should be concerned about what's going on at their club. Uh, As it is, they're already borrowing heavily to fund this transfer window. All of that money will likely get leveraged onto the club as debt in the coming months. And uh, I have a feeling this is their one big splurge. Now, like I said, they've made good signings. It's just that They're overspending, and they're overpaying, and uh, you do wonder whether there's a long-term plan here. Um, That spoofer Ben Jacobs is trying to claim that they had multiple meetings with Michael Edwards, that he wasn't interested in the job, but he didn't reject it. Well, him not being interested, him turning it down, is him rejecting it. So you are talking absolute bobbins, Mr. Jacobs, uh, who, remember, no one had heard of this fella until he started pretending he knew all that was going on in the Chelsea takeover, and much of his information was just incorrect and regurgitation of what other people had to say. Um, Anyway, Chelsea have told Cesar Aspilicueta that they did not want to let him join Barcelona. He's just signed a new two-year extension, actually, off the back of that. Uh, Bournemouth are close to, close to signing Neto. We went over that. Manchester United have held initial talks uh, over Benjamin Sesco. Tottenham have opened talks with Udinese over left-back Destiny Adoji. He's really good, but they already have three left-backs at the minute. So unless one is leaving in the immediate future, that's a bit of an odd one. Now, I assume Regulon will leave, but still, it's a bit odd. Uh, Dean Henderson will not play for Manchester United again, says Jamie O'Hara. I mean, Jamie O'Hara isn't exactly someone you'd want to be listening to a whole lot. Uh, Nottingham Forest... Mentioned them earlier. Interested in Dutch striker Jiz Hornkamp, who could become the club's 13th signing of the summer. Given it was Daniel Taylor that reported this, I I assume this deal is quite close to being done. Uh, Levi Colwell, yeah, he's joining uh, Brighton. Croatian winger Ivan Perisic reached out to former Tottenham star and compatriot Luka Modric for advice before deciding to leave into Milan for North London. A number of championship clubs are interested in taking Charlie Savage on loan from Manchester United. That's the son of Robbie Savage. Uh, Looks to have quite a well-rounded game, this kid. Uh, Barcelona want to sign Inigo Martinez, who's 31 and has an €80 million buyout clause. Oh, they want to sign him at the end of this coming season, so next summer when he's on a free. Um Brazil midfielder Arthur Mello has moved closer to leaving Juventus to join Valencia, which could see Chelsea see Juventus step step up their interest in Jorginho. Uh, I think Jorginho's probably staying at this point. Uh, Chelsea have had a 60 million pound bid rejected for Wesley Fofana. The Blues are now considering an improved £70 million offer. Which, by the way, would make him the third most expensive centre back or third most expensive defender of all time, which would be bananas. Um, but then Harry Maguire is the most expensive, and I mean, you know, Barcelona are willing to offload Pierre Emerick Obama to Chelsea. Okay, uh, Nottingham Forest have opened talks with Southampton over Che Adams. I, I feel that's unlikely. Forrest have made an improved offer for Morgan Gibbs White. Ornstein has reported that, so that is true. Uh Forrest are also interested in Hasim Hour. I mean, they seem to want everybody. Tottenham are closing in on a deal to sign Destiny Adoji. Uh, I, I, I mean, sign him, loan him back, sell Regulon, bring a in a year. Parasit will be 34, pushing 35 of him and Cesion yeah he could you could absolutely justify it though they do have many other needs that they could do with sorting out first uh Manchester United are set to walk away from a bidding war with Chelsea for Frankie De young Maxwell Cornet is set to have a medical at West Ham after they met his release clause. I like that signing for West Ham I really do quality backup for Bowen can also play the other wing opposite Bowen. Could play just off a striker. Could play as a striker, as one of a two, or by himself. Can also fill in at left back. So, yeah, that one does make sense. Everton are hoping to beat West Ham for the signing of Amadou Onana. This one is weird. Wolves are willing to let England centre-back Conor Cody leave the club this summer with Everton interest in the 29-year-old. Now, I think they should let him go, but it's the timing's weird. The season begins... Tomorrow. Well, tonight, but for them, tomorrow. Um, so it seems a little bit strange that you'd be willing to let your captain go on the edge of a new season. Uh, Lucas Torreira has agreed to join Galatasaray, who will pay Arsenal between five and six million for the Uruguay midfielder. Um, that's about a 20 million loss on what they paid from more More good sales from um, Edu. Juventus are keen to sign Memphis Depay from Barcelona. Okay. Crystal Palace are interested in RB Leipzig and Guinea midfielder Elias Mariba. Would be a brilliant signing. Now, there are some question marks over his demeanor, his personality, but the talent is unbelievable. Uh, Real Madrid are hoping Nice reduce their valuation of 40 million euro for Mean Guri. So, they can sign the French striker with a view to then loaning him back for the season. Uh, well, surely the loan back would reduce the fee anyway. Uh, new Paris Saint Germain coach Christopher G- Christophe Galtier hopes to sign three more players after Renato Sanchez joined. Probably need, well, they need one more centre back. They could probably do with can we do replacing De Maria with a winger type player bit of depth behind Messi type of thing Um, maybe one more fullbacks. they should be fine centre backs one definitely a starter to go with Marquinhos uh, you've got Donnarumma you've got Navas so you're fine in goal midfield Renato Adrissi Gay is leaving Still got Pereira, got Verratti, You brought in Vitinha, um, brought in Ekatiki. So, don't need they don't need another number nine. Yeah, backup winger and a center back for absolute certain. Starting center back, backup winger. I'm not sure what the other fourth player or the, the third other need would be, but yeah, you can see it. And I think Renato's a really good signing for them. Um, Angelino is close to joining. Hoffenheim on loan from RB Leipzig, despite Brighton, Barcelona, and Sevilla all being interested. And finally, MLS side Charlotte FC are finalizing a deal to sign English fullback Nathan Byrne from League One side Derby County. Uh, Nathan Byrne's a solid player. He's he's had a bit of a journeyman career, but he's been. Solid player for Derby for the last couple of seasons. Uh, He was good for Wigan. He's had some tough times, though. He was at Wigan when the world started to uh, fall in around them. He was at Derby as the world fell in around them. He also spent time at Charlton when things weren't great. Uh, He's had a a tough old career. But he's 30, and this could be a really good option for an opportunity for him. To make that kind of move. And that is it. That is me for today. For the week. I'll see you all on Monday. And I hope your team loses this weekend. That goes to everybody. I don't discriminate. I dislike all the teams equally. Bye bye. Podcast Network.